For more than a decade, the meat processing sector has been supported by a foreign workforce. According to the British Meat Processors Association, the industry employs about 97,000 people, of which 62% are EU27 nationals. There has for some time now been a general feeling that British people are unwilling to work in what is perceived to be a challenging environment. Abattoirs are cold, the slaughter process can clearly be off-putting and the work is physically demanding. Meat processing companies also face strong competition from other sectors, where work with comparable pay is often believed to be easier. But that hasn't stopped businesses in the sector from doing all they can to attract local workers. I'm Abby Kay, Head of News at Farmers Guardian, and I'm going to be speaking to Sarah Jane Fulton, Group HR Director at ABP, and Del Pitter, HR Director at Dovecote Park, to ask how they've managed to win over a British workforce. Food Group ABP owns a series of sites across England, Scotland and Northern Ireland, slaughtering more than 500,000 cattle each year and employing 5,000 workers. Sarah Jane tells us about what the company is doing to attract a domestic workforce. I don't think that the focus is um, British. I think it's local recruitment. Um, and the, the benefits of local recruitment is that people are settled in the area and the infrastructure is there to get them to, to our um processing plants because as I'm sure you'll understand we are based in very remote areas in some places you know we've got um, Shropshire the southwest and they're not always that well connected to sort of well they're not sort of urban hubs so how how long it takes people to get to work and stuff is a consideration and I think local recruitment um, efforts and that's very much ABP working within the community on apprenticeships and traineeships links with local schools um, and also um, sort of beyond that is having strategic relationships with central national and um, sort of DWP projects and, and departments uh, as well as the kind of local job centre plus hubs. So we kind of make sure that our opportunities from from the kind of early career apprenticeship pathways through to um, sort of entry-level operations-based positions are very much advertised in those local communities um, so that people kind of can see that we are based locally and we're contributing to those local economies. Dell works as HR director at Dovecote Park, which is the sole supplier of beef, venison and veal to Waitrose. Um, so the biggest thing that we looked at was... Um, the 16 to 17 year old um, or 16, 17 upwards um, to bring them in to learn the skills on an apprenticeship programme um, because we thought that we've got an ageing population, that would be a good way to, to blend the old old you know, employees with the new employees as it were. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it worked a tree, it, it's been fantastic. Um, if you want to be here, then you know, come. We, you know, we'll, we'll welcome you with open arms. I, I think just to look at every other avenue, as you, if you've touched on, you know, we look at you know prison offenders um, that you know that want to make the, the come back into the community and, and, and do something with themselves. Um, we, you know, we look at people with disabilities. If you know, if they're able to, we can make the reasonable adjustments for them. 
you know, we look at the young, we, you know, look at people that, you know, they, they may be in their, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s. Um, you know, we've just taken on somebody that's 68. It's, it's these kind of things. You, you've got to be open-minded and have, you know, have that process in place of when they do come in, how do we upskill them, how do we skill them, um, what do we need to look at. It's, you know, it's a it's kind of a, a bigger picture of, of all these different things that you've got to think about. But yeah, absolutely, the skills are out there. It's obviously just trying to get them in. ABP offers a range of different apprenticeships across 12 areas of the business, including production and operations, engineering, finance and butchery. But is the butchery apprenticeship popular? Oftentimes people are not going out looking for a butchery apprenticeship. People tend to go out looking for an engineering apprenticeship. And one thing from an engineering perspective, just first of all, I'd say there's a bit of a myth that automotive, for example, has has like great potential, but we, we are very competitive with automotive and mechanical engineering apprenticeships. So that's it. People want engineering. People are in the market for apprenticeships or maybe they're at career fairs looking for employment but aren't necessarily aware that there is a butchery opportunity available. So that's more of us kind of familiarising people with what we do, how we do it. We have open days. We kind of um, sell it as a career. You know, we've got great case studies of people that have come into butchery not really knowing that's what they were going to do, but having great stories about what they've kind of spent spent the first um, paycheck on, and that might have been a car or that might have been moving out from mum and dad. So um, it is popular, but I would say it takes a little bit more information and kind of working with um, the candidate and their journey um, for the through the application process. Dell also believes education is key to getting a local workforce on board. I think they've, it's an education, I think, for more for us. It's one of those where, you know, everybody will buy meat off the shelf and um, they will go and, but not understand how it gets there or the process that, that, you know, it's, and there's a skill behind it. I think the biggest thing for us was showing that it is it is a career, not just um, you know people possibly tend to think there's there's no progression and the, the money is probably going to be poor. But you know we we bring them in, we show them around, see you know how it, it's how the industry works and how you know we've got to be at the forefront of various you know various initiatives. Um, it, it's obviously especially you know during the pandemic it was one of those where it was feed the nation so you know it's got to run smoothly like clockwork as it were for both abp and dovecote getting prospective employees on site is one of the best ways to recruit absolutely i mean there will be a lot of i'm sure myths about what um what working in um food manufacturing is like specifically obviously in in a kind of abattoir and a boning hall but I, I guess for me being new to the industry and those seven years ago I I was astounded and I know people are on a daily basis as they kind of go through interview processes at how sort of technologically advanced our sites are um, and it's really great for people to see the the kind of technological investment, um, what we do, how we do it, the efficiencies, and just like the investment at our sites, most of our sites have got huge investment plans um, around improving how we do things. And there's obviously, um, you know, we have a lot of green space on our sites. We've got lovely things like 
B corridors and there, it really is, it's really helpful for us to get people kind of through the gates in that sense so that they can understand what we do. And I've heard people say, having gone on site tours, this is like, you know, this is what I imagine Jaguar to be like inside, you know, the machinery and the technology and it's very clean and, and yeah, it does, it, it's a lot of myth busting to get people through the doors like that. When you actually go to schools, you go to open days and say, well, this is what it looks like, this is what we do. Why don't you come and have a visit? They come and have a look round. Uh, and the amount of people that, that say, well, I didn't imagine it looked like this because, you know, there's, there's rumours and, and, you know, we do this and it looks like this. And um, absolutely, it, it helps to get them face-to-face. It helps them to get them on site. Um, it, it helps them to have that conversation. And meet other other apprentices that are actually here doing that job. Getting people on site is not always easy, though, as meat processors have to compete with other employers in different sectors, which may have a reputation for easier work. I think we're obviously an only, only able provider, so people don't... I always think ABP is the biggest... Um, the biggest secret because they're such a fabulous employer but because obviously we're on label people aren't familiar with us so that's half the battle is getting people to know look we employ not only 5,000 people in the UK but you know over 12,000 people um, globally Um, and that's like when people hear that they're kind of blown away they think we're just a small site in in their kind of rural environment so it is is an education piece and I think that's why partnering with the DWP, getting those sort of regional um, job coaches to come and visit us and understand so they can sell the benefits of working for the company. Um, I guess recent years, we, you, you'll know better than anyone, Abby, the food industry has grown and has sustained growth and people need to eat, will always need to eat. And I think with the world kind of being turned upside down as it was, people have really gone back to look at where are those kind of secure careers, where, you know, where in, in the local community is there that kind of job security? And we can we can offer that. And we're doing much more, I'd say, you know, on our website in terms of the, um, in the marketing materials to how we're kind of connecting with young people. And we also, like, in, locally, we... We have also friend referral schemes, so we speak to our apprentices and our employees and say, look, if you know anyone that would like to come, and we, we kind of incentivise people to make those recommendations, which is a big, big part of recruitment across every sector at the moment, because if someone can tell you that they enjoy the job, they enjoy the company, that, that kind of speaks volumes and kind of encourages you to consider. But we'll also be present at you know, local careers events, um, we have the open days, we do leaflet drops to kind of raise awareness of the opportunities. And a lot of the kind of CSR we do as well. So we've got local sponsorship with sports clubs, you know, we'll sponsor football clubs and we'll, we'll have kind of staff football tournaments. And this all just gives us a visibility in the community that makes um, local local kind of people interested to know, oh, ABP are doing this, they're investing in their workforce, I wonder what it's like to work for them, I wonder what it is that they do. So it kind of like it's just sparking a bit of interest in ABP as a company, but also as an employer and kind of building that employer value proposition to make us more attractive. Work-life balance is another area where meat processors can make prospective employees a good offer. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we've, with our butchery side, it's mainly Monday to Friday. So, you know, in there, people still have their weekends. You know, there's obviously there's sometimes overtime available. But other the work-life balance is, you know, apart from getting up early in the morning, you know, something to start at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, you then, you finish early, then you've got all afternoon to yourself, and you've got your weekends to yourself. We do things like... Um, absence bonuses we we have various um schemes in terms of rewards gateways with retailers um so we we try and put as much in there as well that will entice people to come and and work for us um you know we we give specific shift bonuses we refer a friend sign on bonuses at the moment so you know we're trying as to be as creative as, as possible to you know um it's it's easier for people to turn around and say, well, you know, I'd love to go and work in a warm environment and, you know, an office space or something like that. But, you know, we've got to show them the benefits and hopefully we are doing. Showing the benefits of a job in meat processing starts at the first stage of recruitment, writing job adverts. Sarah Jane explains. And the, the role descriptions, like, we have to constantly review them and we work with um, the... National Skills Academy for Food and Drink and they've got a tremendous website that I encourage you to look at called Tasty Careers and it's a really interactive um, page where you can click on a kind of virtual factory and you can see the different type of roles because a lot of the careers in the in the food industry people just aren't aware of like even me you know like the whole sort of notion of technical and food safety before I joined I just wasn't aware of but the opportunities are phenomenal so you kind of rather than it being experience-based and um, recruitment is skills-based if you're in a team and you love team sport then you can work in a team in operation so we've kind of switched how we attract and select people by kind of going to that more skill-based recruitment what do you do for hobbies what do you do for leisure how does that how, how can we make that relevant to the opportunity at ABP and that's like that's been really important in terms of how we kind of um, select people to come into the business. Once the job adverts are written, roles need to be advertised, which is a big job in itself. Dell. Well, we have uh, we have a couple of colleges that we um, that we have a tie up with, um, but then we also do career fairs. We go to local schools. Um, we utilise social media. Um, we put those advertisements out there on all the normal type of job boards. So we advertise as much as, as possible. Um, we look at every avenue. No, you know, no avenue is a bad avenue. It, you know, word of word of mouth, or um, you know, we've got friends and family and those types of things. So it, it's just, however, we can get that message across. We we will do so. Getting people into jobs is one thing, but keeping them there is another. Sarah Jane does a lot of work gathering feedback from employees to find out what they enjoy about butchery. I visited um, one of our sites and I met with eight of our butchery apprentices and real kind of um, variety of kind of backgrounds and and a a couple of them had actually come out of retail. Um, One in particular had been a manager in a subway store um, and he, he... the, the store was very when it, when it was busy he enjoyed it a lot of the time it was very quiet so out with as you would imagine the sort of lunch peak time at lunch um, and in the morning it was a very long day and when he wasn't personally serving customers 
and he was in the store by himself a lot and he was kind of keeping this place clean and maybe just doing kind of deep cleaning and he didn't have a challenge doing that but he said the days were just so long and he was he found the opportunity butchery apprenticeship actually believe it or not comparable earnings managing a subway versus a butchery apprenticeship Um, and his feedback was I've learned so much in a short period of time that I you know the access that I've got to experience within production and the pace is is far more you know I'd suddenly the day is over um, and and, and similarly like uh, the weeks are just passing so quickly versus when I was in that kind of retail outlet and the day is dragged and I think and and another thing that we identified during that visit was the more kind of traditional trades because butchery is a trade it's an ancient trade and but the more traditional kind of engineering mechanical trades they tend to kind of um pay at the um at the kind of recommended um, rates. And I would say in the majority of AVP sites within butchery, we will pay beyond that um, because we appreciate the effort and the kind of, um, the, the, that it's not maybe what people think they're going to do. So we do use that to incentivize people to come into the trade and, you know, the feedback is massively positive. It can take a bit of an adjustment because it might be a bit of an earlier start than most <laughs> rules. But, you know, once they're in and once they get that first pay slip, typically, you know, they're in a very good place. And they also can see people that have come in, in on apprenticeships, level two, level three apprenticeships, that are department managers um, so supervisors of big teams and they might be doing master butchery qualifications with the Institute of Meat and they'll be going down to the livery in London and they kind of see that this is possible. They see that there are apprentices who go on to become general managers. So there's there's just so, so much kind of hope for that, um, for that kind of person coming in at... Um, and apprenticeships aren't what they used to be. There, there's a huge amount of stigma I feel has shifted from apprenticeships. Um, and there's also like degree apprenticeships that a lot of our existing colleagues will go on to rather than us paying a commercial investment for a course. People are actually doing apprenticeships in parallel with their normal job um, to get that degree um, that maybe they've always wanted to do. So I've, I, as you can probably tell, I'm a huge ambassador for apprenticeships because I think they're so important for the industry um, to kind of attract people. For Dell, the most important message to get out to the public is there are big opportunities in the meat processing sector. The biggest message is, you know, it's, it's a great place to work. It, you know, it's valuable, valuable skills. Um, it is about feeding the nation. Renate you know, is about that. You, you know, you you have the obviously the vegetarian campaign and everything else that's going on, which is a you know a great campaign. However, you know, we're here. We're in meat. It, it is a great place to work. There's loads of benefits. The money and, and the pay is good. The camaraderie is great. So it, it, it is. You know, it is a good place to work. Great place to work. In Farmers Guardian, we've been running a series on how businesses can attract domestic workers to different sectors of agriculture. This week in the magazine, we're looking at dairy. The series has been put together in association with the Institute for Agriculture and Horticulture, or TIA as it's more commonly known. TIA is a new professional body supported by DEFRA funding. It aims to become the home of skills and career support across the industry to help people and businesses fulfil their potential. 
I caught up with Tess Howe, the Institute's Membership and Business Development Manager, to ask how the body can build on the great work already being done to secure a future workforce in farming. As part of the series that we're running in print, we've been hearing about all kinds of things businesses have been doing to attract domestic workers, whether that's writing imaginative job adverts, partnering with local colleges, offering top standard accommodation or clear progression paths. Are you encouraged by what you're seeing? Absolutely. The the labour market has changed dramatically over the past few years, so we need to change what we do too. And it's fantastic to see people be more innovative in their recruitment process, and we're really encouraged people are adapting to this change, but sadly I do think we need to see more of it. Um, I think it's great people are telling their stories, and this is why we're really keen to support the series in Farmers Guardian. Um, and we know from our work with farmers and growers that we don't that don't have so many struggles with labour, while it might start with the advert, there needs to be focus on the whole process of recruitment and inducting. For example, those who manage to get good staff retention focus on the needs and developments of the employees. So I think because we're in an increasingly competitive market for labour, it's not just about standing head and shoulders above fellow farmers. It's about looking at other employers in the area as well. And how do you think TIA in particular can build on that great work that's already being done in the sector to make farming an attractive industry to work in? lots of work streams and we're about supporting the quality of work that's already out there and filling in the gaps rather than reinventing the wheel so we're working with key partners already working in this area to make sure we do just that and not duplicate things i think one thing that's missing currently is really solid evidence about labor market information Um, what levels of labor do we have what skill sets do we need and not only now but in the future so we've been working with the University of Exeter to um, do some research into this area and also with a team in New Zealand who've done modelling work on the dairy workforce before. So really so we can get a baseline, help us get a better understanding of the market going forward so that we can be more proactive in recruiting and developing our workforce. I think from a, a recruitment perspective, TU is looking to promote the industry for what it is, which to us is an exciting and innovative industry that supplies healthy food, working in a sustainable way with skilled and knowledgeable farmers and growers. But what we do find from recent research is that um, many people who influence the young people on their career journey have a very outdated perception of the industry. So T is looking to work with careers advisors amongst others to really break down those stereotypes and ensure that people understand what really happens on farm. We also believe by having a professional body, a competency framework and various career pathways, it will be easier for those considering the industry to understand that there are real opportunities and progression at lots of different levels available in the industry, um, both here and abroad as well. Um, From a recruitment point of view, we know that is hard um, and there's still lots to be done in retaining good staff as well. So many farmers now will be out there doing all their pre-harvest checks servicing their equipment to ensure they get maximum performance, etc. But how many know how to look after their staff and develop them in the same proactive way? So TIA will be offering information and advice in these areas too, to ensure that individuals can reach their full potential and help businesses thrive. And how will TIA bring on board the farmers who have traditionally been harder to reach, but perhaps would benefit the most from what it has to offer? So I think it's really important we understand why they're hard to reach in the first place um, before we look at how to engage with them because we know there's lots of different reasons. Sometimes it can be the lack of awareness over what's available, could be a lack of understanding of what benefits it will bring them, or simply they can't access access that support in in a time and cost effective way. 
So with any of those scenarios, we need a, a different way of working. And that's something that we're considering now. For example, we're looking at how we can work with third parties to pass on the message, um, provide support in a more practical way with, with our um, information. We're also very aware that um, trust and peer-to-peer learning is key to people, especially those people in the, in the hard-to-reach bracket, about accepting new ideas and changing their behaviours. So again, it's really looking at how we can build trust um, and use existing networks so that we avoid that duplication, but really increase the impact in what we're all trying to achieve. So will be the first time careers and skills information is available from one place. So this means that combined with our system that learns about individuals and their interests and needs in the same way your Netflix account knows what you like to watch, we'll be able to help people understand their needs and how to access that skills and training that they're interested in in a super friendly way. It all sounds very exciting. When are you going to be ready to launch? So we're currently um, recruiting active farmers and growers to join our tier cultivator scheme. And by being a tier cultivator, you'll have exclusive access to our platform and, and the content. And in return, we're asking for constructive feedback on what we've developed so far. And these people will also have an input into the type of content they want from us, how they receive that information, and generally set the direction for tier in its early years. So this user testing will mean that our product and services are designed by farmers and growers for farmers and growers and as such be invaluable. So if all this goes well, we hope to be up and running by summer 23. That's it for this week's Over the Farm Gate. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your family and friends on social media. And don't forget to pick up a copy of this week's Farmer's Guardian, where you can read all about the government's new food strategy and why your Christmas turkey could be under threat as poultry farmers miss out on tens of thousands of pounds of bird flu compensation. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. Listener.